Welcome to the week 10 edition of the Fantasy Football Brothers podcast. My name is Blake, and I'm here with my younger brother, Carson. And we're officially halfway through the 2021 season. How are you feeling? That's crazy. Um, I would say time flies, but it feels like the season's been going on for a while. And I'm happy that we still have half left because I love, I love fantasy football. So I'm excited. All right, well, let's get right into the Week 10 buys. We've got the Bears, the Bengals, the Texans, and the Giants. So really, I mean, we've got a few fantasy-relevant quarterbacks that are kind of fringe, I would say. I mean, with the Bengals and Joe Burrow and the Giants having Daniel Jones, Justin hey, Fields. Justin yeah, Fields exactly. Him. Well, okay. We can go ahead and talk about it. I'm not yeah. too impressed. I'm not too impressed yet. No, agreed. But it's definitely a vast improvement from what he used to be, uh, at least passing. Like the fact that he had, I think it was 290 291. Yeah, 291 passing yards. Like, that's kind of a big deal for him for how he was eased into this offense, like not throwing the ball at all. Um, so. Do I think he's, like, a proven player yet? No, not at all. Probably not for the rest of the season. I think he might have potential of being a good quarterback in the NFL, um, and it's just good to see that he has this glimpse of hope, this glimmer of hope. I picked him up because uh, week 12 he plays the Lions on Thanksgiving, and I have Kyler, and he'll be on bye, so I'm like, maybe that could be a decent play with what I have left to even... Uh, potentially start so that was my thought process but yeah um i don't, I don't think you're all in on him but it's definitely an improvement no uh, well here's my thing about it he still hasn't had a game where he's thrown more than one passing touchdown yeah and as long as as long as that's the case he's gonna be like you know i mean obviously his running is gonna help him but we're thinking more about the chicago pass catchers like this offense if they're not scoring touchdowns through the air, it's going to be, you know, the usual suspects of David Montgomery and not much else. So I'm talking from like a like a team fantasy perspective. I'm still not in on Justin Fields because yeah. he just hasn't gotten it done through the air. Agreed. But just seeing like passing yardage totals and completions, um, him individually, he's got such a great floor if he can get his passing under control because of his rushing ability. And I just, I think he's already making improvements. But as far as the rest of the team's fantasy value, um, I think that they're all much worse than you expected going into the season or could have hoped for. So, yeah, yeah and it's not, not like it's not like he doesn't have a talent, talented pass catchers. I mean, correct. You've, you've always, you've always maintained the belief that Allen Robinson is an undervalued, underrated yes. uh, wide receiver. For sure. And coming into the season, I think he was... I know he was top 15 at the position. I want to say even top 10. Um, but, yeah, it's it's uh, it's similar to... I mean, it's similar to the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. How Hurts has standalone value, and then everyone else in his offense kind of suffers because he's not a like very competent thrower yet. Yeah, I think that's a good comparison. I did read something, though. I think... <laughs> This is honestly ridiculous. I think that Justin Fields is like QB3 between the past two weeks, which is just weird. 
um, once we're done with the buys, yeah, we can talk but, about just how standard... weird this past week was in general. But... Well, in standard scoring, Jimmy Garoppolo yes. is the best QB in the past yes. two weeks. So... I was going to mention that later. Yes. Yeah, it's been a it's been a it's been a fluky stretch of games where the players you expect to deliver for you have gotten lost. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Move on to the Bengals. <laughs> um, well, yeah. I mean, obviously Joe Burrow and uh, talented pass catchers. I yes. mean, I think Tyler Boyd, after one catch for what six yards, I think he's uh, he's got to be. Uh, I I feel like you got to you can drop him and, and be okay about it. I think you got to be okay with it, honestly. If you can find a more reliable waiver option, um, you're always going to be kicking yourself seeing him post you know, high double digits as far or high teens or low twenties, but I just don't think you're not gonna be missing his performances where he literally gets one catch. Like this is the second time he's had that this yeah. season. So he's been I, he's been so boomer bust. Yeah, agreed. I it, it's tough decision, but you just can't rely on him. Yeah, no doubt there, but uh obviously Jamar Chase is a big loss for teams and Joe Mixon did get two touchdowns, so Yes. I mean, he'll be missed at the running back position. For sure. These are definitely, like, must-start players um, at their respective positions. Yeah. Uh, Giants, you were already missing Saquon. So, not really much there. The, the pass catchers have been banged up. There's not a lot of uh, relevance there. And then with the Texans, you're missing Brandon Cooks and... Well, how about that game from Terod Taylor, huh? That's awful. Like, we thought he would be a good DFS play, but an awful return for him. Three interceptions, zero passing touchdowns, 5.9 fantasy points against, you know, the Dolphins team is, like, not good at all. I don't think they're, I mean, their passing defense isn't, like, awful, but overall this should have been a good matchup for him. So that's a little disappointing for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, hopefully... With the bye week, they can maybe get a little bit more comfortable in the offense. He's he has had very few games starting for them yes. this year, but you got to think that. And I don't know off the top of my head. I'm gonna look at it real quick. Uh, they face the Titans next week. Yeah. So obviously that was not an easy matchup by any means for Matthew Stafford, and I definitely believe in Stafford more than Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe not a bounce back opportunity, but you got to expect better than five point nine. Yeah, agreed. Guess we can move on to the Thursday night matchup, Ravens-Dolphins. Yeah, speaking of Dolphins, right? Yeah. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start with the Ravens, the away team. Lamar Jackson had a very solid outing, 30.64 fantasy points, uh, three touchdowns through the air, as well as 120 rushing yards on 21 carries. Ridiculous. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good game. I mean, that's... Not too bad for a running back, right? Yeah, exactly. So with this particular matchup, as we were talking about, uh, Miami ranks bottom three in total yards allowed, and Lamar does it all. He throws the ball and he runs. So that's a good statistic for him. Uh, and then it's, in terms of the running backs, Devonta Freeman is a popular waiver acquisition uh, he had 13 carries for 79 yards, and Le'Veon Bell, 11 carries, 48 yards, and a touchdown. They both had double-digit carries, but 
we've seen both of these players find the end zone. I'm not really confident starting either one if I can avoid it. Uh, how do you feel about them? I think you trust Freeman more than Bell, but I agree. I don't think that uh, in a committee environment for this backfield, along with just Lamar Jackson being the quarterback, I don't think you can ever have a reliable RB1 on this offense if they're splitting carries like this. Yeah, I think the real issue is that there's just not one player that's kind of like has the talent to break away from the committee. Uh, I yeah. think that's where they're that's where they are right now. I mean, they've got I mean, they're rolling out Freeman and Bell. Like these are guys that, you know, 3-4 years ago, that'd be like, "Wow, what a stacked backfield." Yeah. But now in 2021, these are like guys that are kind of towards the tail end of their careers, it seems. Yeah, and it, sh- it should have been young guys if it wasn't for their injuries. It should have been Dobbins and Edwards, but, you know, they had to revert yeah. back to some veterans. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting, uh, but, yeah, you can't trust them. Yeah, and then with the pass catchers, Marquise Brown had another good game, nine catches, 116 yards, and Mark Andrews struggled a little bit he had five catches 44 yards still got you 9.4 fantasy points and he is currently tight end too so i mean that really just that speaks to the i mean obviously he had a 40 point game earlier this season but it just speaks to how shallow the tight end position is yeah for sure i mean in almost any other position you can't afford to have like uh, a week where you bust and be ranked that highly he's definitely carrying his own slack with that one performance but it does show you how shallow the position is for sure yeah and then kind of a kind of an odd cast of characters who caught jackson's touchdowns devin duvernay Demonte freeman that one doesn't surprise you so much but then patrick ricard their fullback each caught a touchdown from jackson so i do expect one of the main two guys being either brown or andrews to get one this week uh, but maybe also, maybe maybe Rashad Bateman gets involved. He had an okay game. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think there's more room for Bateman in this offense, and I definitely do think you trust Brown and Andrews to return the value that they have of being uh, just very solid plays. I agree with that. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the Dolphins. Uh, Jacoby Brissett stepped in for Tua, who had a fracture in his middle finger on his throwing hand, so he couldn't really play through that. Uh, I think this, I think this injury kind of snuck up on the Dolphins because technically Tua was still active for the game, and he would only be brought in in an emergency situation. But I mean, the idea that they didn't bring, you know, they didn't elevate anyone from the practice squad, like it was just, it was just those two quarterbacks that were available to them, and I thought that was kind of unexpected. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. I, I feel like it took me a little bit by surprise, and it's weird that it seems to have taken the team by surprise a little bit too. Because I mean, I was hearing a lot of fantasy analysts saying that like Tua would be a very uh, kind of a priority QB fill-in pickup for last week, and then just all of a sudden he's out. So yeah, that's definitely interesting. Yeah, so Brissett got you eight and a half fantasy points, roughly, <laughs> and that's not very good. No. Um, the good the good side is that Baltimore ranks thirty first in passing yards allowed, and that's around two hundred eighty two. Uh, if but if Tua is unable to play, I you you have to lower expectations for the offense overall. I think. Yeah, I agree with that. 
Uh, and then Miles Gaskin, we saw, you know, he's been seesawing in performances, high, low, high, low. I, I, if it's any indication, next week is going to be a low matchup. He was super inefficient. He was averaging under two yards per carry, uh, but he had a rushing touchdown and six receptions that kind of saved his day. Uh, otherwise, it's a bad matchup. Baltimore ranks fifth in rushing yards allowed under 100, and... Again, like I said, he's going back and forth on bad and good games, so I it, think there fits, might be some... It fits the bill for this fitting. week to be a single-digit scoring game for Gaskin. Yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised. <clears throat> and then with the pass catchers, Will Fuller, he's ruled out... Oh, he was ruled out for this game on Monday, so the timeline for his return is still uncertain. And then it's the usual suspects yet again with... Devontae Parker on IR, Jalen Waddell, and Mike Kosicki are the two pass catchers that you want in this offense. Uh, 16.3 fantasy points for Waddell, 9.4 fantasy points for Kosicki. Oddly enough, he's tight end three, so we're going to have two top three tight ends in this yeah. matchup. Um, I, but, I mean, I don't know. I think that... I think it really comes down to if Tua is available if, if, with my confidence level on these guys. Yeah, I'd say more Gesicki if this game had anything to say about it, but definitely for both of them it hurts their value if uh, Brissett's playing over Tua. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about Saints-Titans. So the I don't think it's necessarily a guarantee that Trevor Simeon gets the start this week. And we watched Tennessee play a really inspired performance against the Rams on Monday Night Football. What's your confidence level in Simeon if he starts? And what's your confidence in Taysom Hill if he starts? Um, I don't think Simeon... I mean, Simeon filled in against the Buccaneers in Week 8 very well, uh, just for that scenario. But I don't think he has any fantasy value at all. This team's missing all of their top options other than Kamara. Uh, you'd probably feel better with him if he had that like safety blanket with Michael Thomas. So I don't feel great about Simeon, uh, fantasy-wise. But Taysom Hill, I, I think you got to trust him just because of his versatility, the little Swiss knife, as they call him, Sean Payton's son. I just think that he gives himself such a high floor with the plays they designed for him. And he is talented. Um, so I think for fantasy, I think he has way more fantasy value than he does uh nfl qb value i guess i i compared him compare him to jalen hurts uh to some degree um so i would definitely feel better about hill fantasy wise than simeon yeah i agree with that we'll have to monitor that uh that situation going into the weekend um otherwise alvin Kamara, like you said is the only guy you trust in this offense uh tennessee is a tough defense they're inside the top 10 in rushing yards allowed uh and that will limit him as a rusher which he's gotten a lot of usage this season, but his usage in the passing game is going to keep his floor high. He had seven targets in week nine. I think if it's going to be a pass catcher in that offense, it's probably Alvin Kamara, because who else can you trust? Yeah, nobody, unless OBJ goes there, but that probably wouldn't factor in for this week. But um, I just Kamara and Eckler, I guess I'll make a comparison. They're just so unique in such an elite tier with running backs, because if they're not getting it done on the ground, they're they just become a wide receiver. 
So well, I think you're forgetting McCaffrey in that conversation. Well, yes, of yeah, course. I totally agree. McCaffrey's on his own level, but yes, he is definitely in that same conversation. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Um, on the Titans, Ryan Tannehill. I, I'm done with this guy. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> 19 completions, 27 attempts. I get it. I get that the Titans' defense were dominating that game, and they were giving the the Titans a short field to work with on several occasions. But this guy had 143 passing yards, one TD yet again, and one interception. And then he had two rushes for three yards and a touchdown. Finished with 14 fantasy points. This is his third game of the season with under 200 passing yards. One or fewer passing touchdowns in all but two games. He's got four rushing touchdowns on the season, one last week, but you can't count on those. I feel like you have to drop this guy. If you are using him in a 10QB league, like a 10-team, one-quarterback league, I feel like you got to drop this guy. Yeah, I, I do agree to some, to some degree. Um, I feel as if if you have a quarterback that you will almost never bench maybe keep them but like it, it's it's week it's week nine so i this is kind of the outlook i had from you know three weeks ago four weeks ago and he still hasn't proven it so i think yeah i, I wouldn't bat an eye if someone dropped Tannehill. no and and the stat and the stat that is most glaring to me is he's got one or fewer passing yeah. touchdowns in all but two games like that's and awful i'm gonna that is horrible i mean that's for like, someone that doesn't get it done on the ground that's awful I mean, other right, than who doesn't get a lot of rushing like, yards. Yeah, I just mean That's, yardage. Yes, exactly. He's got four rushing touchdowns, but yeah, he's not putting up rushing totals that that inspire you. He's got two games on the season with zero touchdowns, or uh, passing touchdowns. I mean, this guy, yeah, I, I don't understand what his problem is, but <laughs> uh, Derrick Henry's not there, so... Like throw the football, throw some touchdowns. I, I I'm 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 tired of it. Yeah, I mean you almost you almost would have liked Tannehill more uh, with Henry gone fantasy wise, just because it would have forced him to I don't know get it done through the air. I I'm curious to see what will happen when they're not facing the Rams. Like I mean the Saints defense is not a pushover, but eh, I I guess I don't have many hope, and it's just no sad. no <laughs> Carson the the Saints are the best team against yeah, the run they're good they're great yeah no it's, yeah. it's another bad matchup he's not going to prove himself yeah. so talking about the running backs you can't feel great about any of them really eh? because no. because of that stat alone uh adrian peterson had some like flashes i'll say in, in especially in the opening drive he made made aaron donald miss uh in the backfield and you know stumbled forward for a couple yards but I mean, really, outside of that, I didn't see a lot that I was super impressed by. Not that I was expecting a lot from him. I mean, he's, you know, he's definitely a he's a true veteran. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, but I think that the Titans are. I mean, they're working with a committee. They've got Jeremy McNipple, <laughs> Jeremy McNichols, <laughs> Jeremy McNichols, who had seven carries for twenty-four yards. He got you six and a half fantasy points. He had Dante Foreman, who had five carries for 29 yards. <laughs> Is that yards. like a long-lost brother for Devonte Freeman? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an off-brand Devonte Freeman, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't believe this team is 7-2 and two and just beat the Rams. Well, you got to remember, they had the best, not yeah. only the best fantasy football player, 
but also just the best running back in the league that was dominating. I mean, yeah. when you control the game on the ground, you can you can win a lot of football games. It's true. Just show yeah. that Derrick Henry's value in fantasy and in the NFL. Yeah. And then for the pass catchers, it's kind of like it's kind of like Justin Fields, it's kind of like Jalen Hurts, except you don't like the upside as much with Tannehill. Uh, these pass catchers are suffering because of their quarterback's inefficiency. So uh, they each got less than 10 points, 9.2 for Brown and 7.5 for Julio. Uh, you got to lower expectations for these guys, and, and that means a lot more for A.J. Brown than it does Julio in the, at this point of the season. But uh, New Orleans ranks fifth in points allowed per game, so I, I do kind of expect, although we were you know very surprised by the Falcons last week, uh, I do expect the Titans to kind of struggle again. Yeah, I agree. It, it's unfortunate to see. Uh, I mean, I think we've talked about this before, but like Brown was AJ Brown was in the conversation of like draft night with Justin Jefferson and DK Metcalf, and he's just getting so hurt by this offense. So yeah, very much so. All right, we can move on to Bills Jets. And I'm kind of going to I'm going to do this very briefly because I think that I think it was very fluky that Buffalo lost to Jacksonville 6 to 9 last week. I don't anticipate back-to-back off games for Buffalo. And the Jets rank last in total yards allowed per game and points allowed per game. So, I think the Bills I think the Bills bounce back. I think they probably bully the Jets who are going to be led by Mike White. Uh, that was confirmed today. So, I mean, on the on the inverse, this is like this is like the best facing the worst in terms of some in terms of specific statistics. Yeah. Buffalo ranks first in point or in passing yards per game allowed under two hundred. He they rank first in total yards allowed per game and points allowed per game at just fourteen point eight. You got to lower expectations for the Jets, but I mean the 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 cards are stacked against them. Yeah, I, I just can't believe the Bills got lucky enough to face the Jaguars and Jets back-to-back, and yet they didn't capitalize on both of them. Yeah, they may only come out of it one and one. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I will, uh, you don't have any notes on this, but I, I'll just ask you, like, do you, uh, real brief, do you buy Elijah Moore's production at all? Or, like, well, how, how would you evaluate his his value? I'll tell you this. His value is directly tied to as long as Zach Wilson is not playing at quarterback. That's fair. Because that offense is abysmal with Zach Wilson at quarterback. Yeah. Uh, It can be Mike White. We've seen it be Josh Johnson. Like, these other guys can support this fantasy offense a lot better than Wilson can. So as long as Wilson's out, I have, you know, pretty positive hope for players like Elijah Mitchell to be fantasy relevant for this team but as soon as zach wilson comes back man i it's it's grim yeah i agree and i think that's a fair uh reason to have doubt in him even though he was probably one of if not the most uh or highest picked up player this past week on waivers um i just it might not be a long-term look for him because of zach wilson's imminent return not this week but probably soon yeah um and i think i said did i say the wrong name 
I don't think so. Mitchell. Yeah. I, I feel like I said. Uh, wait. Elijah Moore. <laughs> Moore. Okay. Yes. That's right. You're thinking yeah. of the San Francisco running back. Yes. Two. Yes. Elijahs that have emerged this season. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um. The one thing about Elijah Moore I do like is his matchup next week. It, they're playing Miami and then Houston the following week. So if by some, if by some you know some luck, the Jets can avoid having Wilson start those two games. I do like his prospects in weeks eleven and twelve, but yeah. that's kind of a uh, that's kind of a hope and a prayer at this point. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's talk about Lions Steelers. <sighs> All right, we've got pretty much two players on the Lions that are worth any consideration that's deandre swift who's currently rb9 on the season his receiving numbers have kept him a borderline rb1 on the season as we just said um and pittsburgh ranks in the top 50 percent in all defensive categories and ninth in points allowed so i think you got to lower expectations for swift in a tough road matchup against pittsburgh but he can have, you know, he can have six, seven catches, and that will kind of keep him afloat. Would you agree? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think what makes this matchup, though, difficult, because as we've said before, like, Swift just always gets it done fantasy-wise because of how that offense operates, just always getting him involved. But uh, a very overall strong Steelers defense doesn't make you too happy because the versatility of Swift of Swift is what makes him unique. But, you know, if he's not getting it done rushing, they can't just pivot to passing and have a ton of success against this defense. So I agree that you should be uh, lowering expectations on him for this matchup. Yeah, and then the other one to consider is TJ Hawkinson. He's He has been a double-digit scorer in three straight games, uh, averaging just over 10 targets per game in that span. But he's limited in touchdown upside because Goff has thrown one touchdown in his last four games combined. I was unaware of that statistic. That is awful. <laughs> yeah, I was talking about this a couple weeks ago. Jared Goff stinks. Yeah, he's, he's Super Bowl I, I quarterback. Mean, yeah, Super Bowl quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> Super Bowl losing quarterback, we'll say. Yes, Patriots. Yeah. So, anyway, um, yeah, to the other side of this matchup with the Steelers, uh, I just got word prior to recording this that Chase Claypool... <laughs> yes. Uh, is week to week with a toe injury and initial reports were fearing that it was going to be season ending which is very intense yeah Um, but fortunately that's not the case for him Um, but he is likely to miss this game so we'll just go ahead and we'll we'll skip over Najee for a moment we'll talk about the pass catchers Uh, Deontay Johnson had a pretty quiet game five catches for 56 yards he had two carries for 11 yards finished with 11.7 fantasy points uh but the reality is that he's he's a double digit scorer in every game that he's played in detroit ranks 14th in passing yards per game allowed so obviously he's still the pass catcher you want in this offense but let's talk about pat fryermuth who i mentioned in our dfs podcast if you played him it obviously turned out well for you because he had five catches for 43 yards and two touchdowns for 21.3 fantasy points. I mean, what can we say about this guy? He's got 
His targets in his last three games are six, seven, and seven. He's got three TDs in his past two games. Are you buying his production as a reliable option week to week moving forward? I think you are, especially if this news of Claypool, um, because he'd be getting more targets if he was to be. I mean, he's for sure going to be out for, I would say, a few weeks with that analysis or prognosis. But um, right. regardless of that, I still think you feel good about Fryermuth. I mean, especially in tight end leagues, as said before, if you can get a tight yeah, end that's leagues, not. Leagues that. Leagues yeah. that require a tight end, yeah. If you can get a tight end that's not TD dependent but still gets <laughs> touchdowns, that I mean that's just like amazing. I, I yeah I think yeah. you buy targets, fire moves yeah. production. Yeah, the targets are there and and the crowd is loving it every every time he makes a big play that they, they all go move. <laughs> Do they really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's pretty cool. All right, let's talk about uh, Jaguars Colts. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, he should be okay to play. He did finish uh, the contest in Week 9, so no real concerns there. And then James Robinson should also be back this week. Now, it is not the best matchup. Indianapolis ranks 14th in rushing yards allowed per game and 15th in points allowed per game. So... Not the best matchup. I do feel better about him being there than uh, Carlos Hyde. Um, and then, can you trust any of the pass catchers in this offense? I mean, here's a stat for you. Dan Arnold, the tight end, led the team in receiving yards with 60, <laughs> catches with 4, and fantasy points with 10. Uh, he was the it's... top fantasy scorer on the team. Yeah, I... I think that's it's ridiculous, and I I think that means you can't trust any pass catchers in this offense, and it's sad because I love my boy Lavisca Chenault. I just crazy. I looked back and I saw that I drift. I mean, we're about to talk about Pittman, but I drafted him before Pittman, and that just shows you how crazy preseason projections can be. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's like when DJ Chark went down, you're like, wow, okay. Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chenault are going to have even more value, and then Dan Arnold just stepped in. Like, it's really weird. <laughs> yeah. I will say, if you are playing in a league with that requires tight ends, Dan Arnold is someone to look at. He, yeah. He's been good. Uh, the Jaguars traded for him earlier in the season, so obviously they liked what they saw from him. Um, I'm going to pull up his stats really quickly, um, if I can. So in his past, in his past three games, he's had, or let's let's say after the bye, because that's a better, a better example. Eight catches for ten, or sorry, eight catches on ten targets for sixty-eight yards. Four catches on seven targets for sixty yards. He's been a double-digit scorer in back-to-back weeks. I think the touchdowns are certainly an opportunity in this offense because you know. They do throw a good amount of times, but the issue is just that you can't really trust any of the uh, the main pass catchers, it seems, as of late. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's just weird to think that Arnold could be carving out a path for him to be relevant, but I think you got to trust it until it changes. I mean, I don't know. With the given variables of Chark being gone this offense, I think you have to trust Arnold 
being relevant, or at least somewhat relevant, yeah. because I don't know what else could change that could make you feel worse about him. <laughs> yeah, and the bar is and the bar is so low for tight ends anyway. So just a consideration. Uh, let's talk about Colts, who last Thursday had a bit of a shootout with the uh, with the Jets. Carson Wentz was twenty two for thirty for 272 yards and three touchdowns he got you 24.18 fantasy points jacksonville ranks 26th in passing yards allowed per game 24th in total yards allowed and 25th in points allowed so is there any reason we should not expect wentz's hot streak to continue I think it at least should. I mean, the Jaguars held uh, Josh Allen, but no, I think that's just a weird performance <laughs> for the Bills. Um, Wentz has had some great matchups. I think you do trust him this week. Um, I don't, you probably think this is ridiculous, but I heard that uh, a different manager in our league, Carson, uh, a different Carson, was thinking about starting Wentz over Russell Wilson this week. Do you think that's too high on Wentz? I mean, obviously that's because it's a tougher matchup for Wilson and his first week back, but how do you feel about that potential decision? Um, I think it's probably a little foolish. Yeah. A little bit. I mean, Russell Wilson has much greater upside. I'm going to pull up Wilson's previous stats. I mean... There is some reasoning behind it, though, but I do think that... No, of course, of course. But I think, like, with the rushing, with the rushing upside that you see more so from Wilson than Wentz and... Uh, I think that, you know, uh, Wilson has more uh, weapons on his offense. I, I would probably disagree with that. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's but... crazy to think that we can even have that conversation. Obviously, there's value variables about Wilson coming back from injury, but they were in a bad QB situation. They picked up Wentz, and it really paid off for them, and I think it will through this week too. Yeah, I mean, really, it is up to him because it's his team, like, because, you know, what do I know? I'm only first in our league. But, hey, that's besides the point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I just had to squeeze that in there real quick. Yes. <clears throat> so let's talk about Jonathan Taylor. He's His streak of of excellence is continuing. I don't see it any... I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. Uh, personally, he had 19 carries for 172 yards and two touchdowns as well as two catches for 28 yards. He got you 34 fantasy points. You'll love to see that. He's been a 20-plus point fantasy scorer in five of his last six games. He does have at least one touchdown in all of those games. And he even has a game this season with over 100 receiving yards. So he can do he can do it all when the, offense, or when the defense gives it to him. Do you think Jacksonville, ranking 12th in rushing yards allowed per game at 103, is going to slow down Taylor? No, I literally do not care. Uh, I think that Jonathan <laughs> Taylor, um, it's just crazy. We talked about this a little bit on the Thursday night recap uh, episode, but it's crazy to think that the first few weeks of the season you were disappointed where you drafted him, and now you are elated. Um, yeah, really it's punch in the air. It really shows the dominance of Derrick Henry that he is still holding on to the RB1 position rank, but it's about to be Taylor's, I think. Because he's yes, currently two. Yeah. And that's just... Correct. Uh, I mean, it's just... You're so happy that you have him and that he's paying off. Uh, because he kind of he kind of teased you a bit at the, end of the, at the beginning of the season, thinking that he wouldn't. But he's definitely legit. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that 
uh, given that we've seen him be successful in the passing game, that even the even the tougher matchup, a bit of a downgrade in that perspective from the rushing point of view, I still believe in Jonathan Taylor to be a, a top five running back this week. Yeah, agreed. All right, on to your boy, Michael boy. Pittman Jr. Five catches for 64 yards and a touchdown. He got you 17.4 fantasy points. He had six targets in week nine. Five TDs in his last five games. You like to see that. Um, I do expect one more good performance, like at least a top 20 performance before week 11 when they travel to Buffalo. I think that the Bills are probably, you know, they're still one of the best defenses in the league, and I do kind of expect them to slow Pittman and Wentz down a little bit. Yeah. Um, Would you agree with that? I think that it's going to be, obviously it's slowing down uh, Pittman because of this, but I think it'll be more about slowing down Wentz because uh, uh, I think Wentz has a really good connection with Pittman, um, so he might get the looks he needs if if he can capitalize off of them. That's a different discussion. But uh, Carson Wentz, I mean, in that week eight performance, uh, it almost he was just forcing it to Pittman every chance he could. Um, but yeah. again, I do feel like that Bills defense is like. Just, I don't think they can allow a receiver to have double-digit receptions. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. If Dan Arnold pulls down 20 fantasy points, we'll maybe look at him a bit, a bit differently. But <laughs> uh, Yeah, and then with uh, T.Y. Hilton, you got to monitor his injury status with a concussion. Uh, I don't feel super confident uh, starting him if he's active in this matchup. I just think that... He really needs to prove that he can finish a game healthy before I feel good about putting it in my in my lineup. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I, it's he hasn't completed a game without injury this season, right? Yeah, I mean, and in fairness, it is a it is a good matchup for for pass catchers, but it he's just been. I mean, he had like you said, he, or like we've said, he ha, he has not finished a game healthy this season. I think you gotta have better options than him. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a good game, but I don't think you'd really be kicking yourself by benching him. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, all right, let's move on to Buccaneers and the Washington Football Team. Carson, let me ask you this: Do you know the record for single-game passing touchdown? Um, I do not. I'm a guess that it's like seven. It is seven. Multiple okay. players hold that record. Would you be surprised if Tom Brady broke that today against the fo- or this weekend against the football team? Oh, I mean, that'd be so beautiful. Honestly, I, I I have I used to not like the Patriots probably just because I they were your favorite team and I was the little brother and always seeing them win, but like seeing Brady just do this amazing at his age, uh, you just have to root for him. Honestly. So I would yeah. love that. Yeah, that would be amazing, especially in our six-point passing touchdown league. Oh my god! I could I could probably guarantee my victory off that alone. I mean, he would he would have forty-two points if he literally threw no yards, just just the touchdowns, <laughs> which is literally impossible. But yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So <laughs> probably a little bit know, higher than what he'll end up doing, but it is certainly a good matchup. Yes, yes. I mean, it's the best matchup in terms of passing yards. Yes. Washington ranks last in the league 
allowing over 286 passing yards a game. And they rank 29th in points allowed, 28 points. Like, they're giving up touchdowns week after week. So this is, this is a, you know, you're licking your chops if you're, if you're the Bucks coming off of a bye. And Washington coming off of a bye too, but, I mean, these are just two different teams, really, yeah. we're seeing. 100%. So, as far as I'm concerned, the players you're starting, Tom Brady and Mike Evans, for sure. Uh, we'll talk about the other pass catchers in a moment. But Leonard Fournette, uh, the only thing that the football team has any sense of competency in, I'm not sure that's a word, but uh, they they rank 11th in rushing yards allowed per game. Uh, still over 100, but... Uh, even with that, Leonard Fournette is a reliable. He's proven himself to be a reliable pass catcher in this offense. So, I think you lower expectations a little bit. Maybe the maybe the rushing total isn't as high as you've seen, but I think that he can certainly still find his way into the end zone, and he's uh, liable to catch a few passes this game. Yeah, all I'll say about Fournette is just like the analysis we're doing, and I completely agree with your saying. Just the analysis that we're doing at this stage of the season, y- y- going into this season, you would have thought that us talking like this must have meant that Ronald Jones, Ronald Jones was injured. It's just so weird how yeah. this backfield has ended up operating. Yeah, that's totally true. Fournette could, could fumble the ball, and then what do you know? Ronald Jones is out there. But uh, I do think I that I, I definitely don't. Here's what I'll say. you don't. You, there's no possible way you could see yourself starting Ronald Jones unless you're just in a league that has, like, 32 people and every player has to be started. <laughs> Then maybe, yes, maybe. Yeah, maybe then you're like, oh, this is my week with Ronald Jones. But no, I think that it's I think it's Fournette's backfield to play with. We've seen that throughout the season. And all I'm saying is that the football team is is, you know, pretty good at uh at containing the run. So lower expectations a little bit, but he's still probably gonna be a top twenty, if not fifteen running back. Uh and then We've got three injuries to monitor. I do know from a little bit of research that Chris Godwin came up with a foot injury this week, uh, but apparently nothing serious, according to Bruce Arians. So if he's available, I'm starting him. I have him on my team, so I'm hoping he is. (laughs) Uh, Antonio Brown is less likely to start. He has uh, maintained that ankle injury and still has his walking boot on, so... That one's a little bit more risky if he does clear to play. Um, so we'll monitor that going into the weekend. And then Rob Gronkowski with his back. I think if he's available, you know, watch for reports on Sunday morning like we saw last week where it was said that Gronkowski would kind of be used in emergency situations. And he really was. I mean, I think he only got like 12 snaps or something in the game before he was taken out. Yeah, uh, it's uh, I I for the same reasons that you're rooting for Brady, I'd like to see Gronk out there with him. Yeah, let let Gronk catch a few of those eight touchdown passes, and <laughs> it'll be a good day all around. <laughs> yeah. All right, and I know. Imagine, imagine that the football team wins this game because after all this talk that we've done, but we do have to talk about them. They do have some fantasy relevant ish players. Um, I'll start with the obvious one, Terry McLaurin. He's a he's a single digit scorer in three of his past four. 
but he is averaging over nine targets per game in that span. Is he going to bounce back, do you think, against the 20th-ranked defense in passing yards allowed per game? I think so. Um, he had a good game in Week 8, correct? Or no? Uh, he did that would have... probably be the case, considering he that he was single-digit in three of the last four. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of back to trusting him, and I think this is a good matchup, so I, I agree that I think he will uh, do well. Yeah, so he had seven catches on 12 targets for 122 yards yeah. and one touchdown. This is actually in week seven at okay. the Packers. So what did he do against the Broncos in week eight? I just do not remember that at all. Three catches for 23 yards. Yeah, uh, I don't know. The Broncos' defense apparently has been insanely good lately. Um, but it is, it's crazy, though. Whenever teams go on by, you kind of forget, like, uh, how have they been doing again? <laughs> but, yeah, I yeah, do trust well, McLaurin. Uh well, week six against the Chiefs, four catches for 28 yards. Yeah, that that's, was... that's a more worrisome statistic. <laughs> uh, so, I, I th- yeah, you're not pensioning No, of course not. Yeah. I, I just think that, you know, what do you expect from the, to this week? I think you just cross your fingers and hope because <laughs> I don't think it's really okay. a decision that you can make because it'd be extremely bold to bench. McLaurin. Um, I mean, we've talked about players that you can relegate to your bench, but it's it, it is a little bit annoying whenever uh, very fantasy relevant players go on a cold streak, even if it's not their fault. It's just very annoying because you know you have you have to start them because they're just proven. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's difficult. Yeah. So let's talk about the running backs for a little bit. Uh, Antonio Gibson, he's he's also a single-digit scorer in his past three games. He has been playing through a stress fracture in his shin, and I know that can't be pleasant. Uh, so hopefully the bye week helped him recover some more. But the reality is that Tampa Bay ranks second in rushing yards allowed, and that's not good whenever Antonio Gibson doesn't catch a lot of passes. So what's your expectation of Gibson? you think he's going to have another single-digit game? I, I do. Um, kind of everything I was saying about McLaurin is the opposite for Gibson. Uh, even though it's hard to trust this offense in general, I just, like, I feel like you can bench Gibson, which is ridiculous. I guess I kind of sound like a hypocrite with, with what I was just saying with McLaurin, like, you can't bench him, but when they're, you know, they should be fancy relevant players, but I don't think Gibson has proved himself at all this season. Um, that's not entirely true. He has had a couple good games, but it's it's all been touchdown-based. Okay, so, yeah, I'm looking at it now. Ever since week six, he's been in, on the struggle bus. Yes. Uh, so since our show started, I guess maybe that's why it feels more like that then. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, he, I mean, he has had some good games in the season. He's had, I mean, he's only been 20-plus one time, but... I think the matchup definitely scares you in this one, and his injury concerns are still lingering as far as I know. So if you're starting a Washington running back, I think it's got to be J.D. McKissick, who, you know, uh, assuming game script plays a factor that he'll probably see the field a little bit more than a typical... I mean, the, the football team is always usually losing, so they're always kind of a negative game script, but... You do expect McKissick to be a little bit more involved because Tampa Bay's only real defensive weakness is in their passing uh, in the pass defense. So, 
yeah, if you're going to start a Washington running back, I feel a lot better with McKissick than Gibson. But, I mean, I, I get it if you have to start him, but just, you know, you're, you can't expect a whole lot unless he falls in the end zone. Yeah, I agree. All right, and then two pass catchers to monitor Curtis Samuel with his groin injury and Logan Thomas, who is not officially off of IR with his hamstring injury. But in the three games that he has played, he had 12 catches on 14 targets for 117 yards and two touchdowns. So let me ask you this. If let's say both of these players are available and they're off the injury report come Sunday, are you willing to start either of these guys? Uh, in a tight end league, yes for Thomas. Samuel, no, in almost any circumstance, unless it's a real emergency because you're somehow extremely unlucky with buys. I, I don't trust Samuel. Uh, I want him to start getting some good games in. Uh, but Thomas, I think you can trust that in your tight end spot. I, it will be interesting, though, to see what Seals Jones' involvement is like in this offense with Thomas back, and if that detracts from Thomas at all, or if they can just coexist. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could totally see, I could totally see uh, RSJ taking a few snaps away from Thomas and and kind of lowering his value. But yeah, that'll be something to monitor. And like I said, he's not even officially off of IR yet, so this is pure speculation that we're talking about. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Browns at Patriots. So on Monday. Nick Chubb and Demetric Felton both tested positive for COVID-19. Both players are vaccinated and therefore require two negative tests 24 hours apart to play. The only instance that we've seen a player test out of the COVID protocol was Zach Ertz, like early, like really early in the season. Yeah. So I don't necessarily have high expectations that either of those players will be available. And that's unfortunate because I just traded for Nick Chubb last week. <laughs> Obviously, it paid off. He had a great yeah. game. But if I'm without him this week and uh, among other fantasy managers, that's kind of a big blow because he's been a very consistent, very reliable running back when he's been on the field. Yeah, I'll ask you in sort of relation to this. Is Dearness Johnson essentially a must start if both of these running backs are out? Uh, yeah, he is, but it's not a good matchup at all. New England ranks ninth in total yards allowed per game and fourth in points allowed per game. So it's going to be, it's not going to be as easy as when they played Denver. I think, yes, that, I think it was Denver. Yeah, that was when, that was when uh, Johnson got his first start and... I think they kind of just, you know, it was a Thursday night game, so really anything can happen in those. I I think that, yeah, I think the Patriots are, I think the Patriots are a better defense than the, the Broncos, if I'm being honest. And, you know, I'm trying to stay unbiased, but I, I really do believe that. Um, and I think the stats may back me up on that. I'm not 100% certain. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the Broncos defense has uh, gone better since that performance, but at least with how they were that week, I would agree. Yeah, either way, like pretty much anyone, whoever plays in this Browns backfield is going to be a touchdown-dependent uh, option, I yeah. think, given the matchup. 
I agree. All right, and then with the pass catchers, uh, let's start with the one that people have been, you know, most people have been starting when he's available, and that's Jarvis Landry. He had three catches for 11 yards, and without Odell Beckham Jr. there, that kind of is a concern. But Mayfield only threw the ball 21 times, uh, completed 14 of those, and it was just a blowout. Uh at the Bengals. I mean, uh, 41-16, I believe, was the final score. So, how are you feeling on Jarvis Landry? Yeah, I mean, you don't feel great about his first game without OBJ, but that was also kind of like a short turnaround from uh, the news of him leaving the team. So, that could have some impact. I I think that people should not be dissuaded from trusting in Landry just because he didn't do well in that first opportunity without OBJ. I think he... I think he's a safe play in this offense uh, just because I think he's definitely going to be getting the targets. And, I mean, I feel very similarly about his outlook. I feel better about him. But just as far as, like, the target's got to go somewhere, we can move on to Donovan Peoples-Jones. I, I feel like well, that's yeah, why he also has got to be becoming a somewhat safe fantasy option. Yeah, and, and just to go back on Landry for a brief moment the the targets have been there he's averaging more than seven targets in his past three games so uh mayfield's definitely looking to him but i think that you know again new england is uh, 11th in passing yards allowed per game so uh, it's a tough matchup all around really i mean i not to not to brag but new england's (laughs) looking pretty good i'm i'm kind of hopeful for their future and there's a report out today that OBJ, uh, that the Patriots are making a strong push for to sign him. No, that I, is I mean, true. I read that he he wants Packers, Chiefs, Saints. Well, might have to be might be have to but be maybe if he gets with the red, white, and blue. Yeah, maybe if he talks with Bill, that could all change. Yeah, I mean, it would be it'd be very would be exciting. Yeah, yeah, it would it would be exciting, I would say, because it would give it would give Mac Jones, and we'll talk about the Patriots in a moment, because that's the that's the matchup in this game. But uh, it would give Mac Jones a definitely a very proven wide receiver and someone who has a lot of talent, probably more talent than anyone else on that that uh, receiving core. Would you mm-hmm. agree with that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I mean, we'll follow that. I. I don't know, but that's just what I that's just what I read prior to recording. So that kind of got me a little excited as a Patriots fan. Uh, but we can move on. Let's let's uh, let's go back to DPJ in the absence of OBJ. That's Donovan Peoples Jones. Two catches for 86 yards and a touchdown. He finished with 16.6 fantasy points. Uh, he has shown to have success when OBJ is absent, and for the foreseeable future, that is the case. So I think he slots in as the wide receiver too in this offense. He's got three straight games with double-digit scoring. Uh, I think you kind of alluded to this earlier, but you're feeling you're feeling confident with DPJ moving forward, right? Yeah, I don't think that this means that you need to start him, but he's definitely worth a spot in your roster. And again, like we said, this is not an amazing matchup, but I feel like he will have... Uh, a handful of good performances in the time left in this season. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, all right, so let's let's officially talk about the Patriots now <laughs> with uh, their running backs, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, both in the concussion protocol. 
You don't like to see that. No. Um, and it's it's a very similar situation to Cleveland's running backs in that it's a tough matchup. Cleveland ranks third in rushing yards allowed and total yards allowed. So it's going to be two really good defenses against two kind of eh, average-ish offenses. Um, I think that, you know, if, if Harris or Stevenson or both are not available, then... Gosh, I mean, when you, when you get past those two guys, it gets kind of dicey. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be jumping to pick someone up to as the starting running back for that offense. Just just given the way that the Patriots utilize their running backs when it's uh, when it's not someone that they can rely on, like a Damian yeah. Harris. So if that's the case and both are unavailable. I'm going to be in a tough spot because I'll be out of Chubb and Harris on my <laughs> personal team. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's it's something – it's a situation I would try to avoid if I could. Yeah, I agree. I mean, isn't the next person up Brandon Bolden? But agreed, I don't feel great about him. Yeah, Brandon Bolden and J.J. Taylor are, like, oh. the next two guys. And, yeah. I mean, you don't feel great about either one. So No, none yeah, of those you... are, like – I don't think – I just don't feel like the Patriots, in my memory of playing fantasy, have ever had, like, you know, that handcuff guy. <laughs> I just don't think they ever have. Yeah, no, that's 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 true. Um, it's been, I mean, Burkhead and, I mean, if you want to go back, like, there was, uh, like, Garrett Blunt, who was great. But, yeah, I think that in terms of, I mean... Yeah, in terms of there being a super reliable week after week starter, it's been Legarrette Blunt, and then now kind of Damian Harris, who's I mean he's still getting splitting touches with Stevenson, but that was only because he was uh, in the concussion protocol. So yeah. That being said, let's talk about really the two relevant ish uh, Patriots pass catchers, and that's Jacoby Myers, who had one catch for eight yards. And Hunter Henry, who caught another touchdown, two catches for 19 yards. So I'm going to start with Henry. He's got five touchdowns in his last six games. You think he's going to add to his touchdown total this week? I sure hope not, because it disappoints me seeing him do that every week. It, it's uh, it's somehow an even more unreliable version of Robert Tunyon from last season where he was on his incredible TD streak, but he was getting more than, I don't know, the receptions needed to match the touchdowns. But he was a similar play. I don't like it. I'm so glad we've moved away from tight ends. We say that every week. Um, yeah, that's really all I have to say about it. I see I see Henry find the end zone and not Myers, and my heart hurts. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was this week nine where he had one catch. That was his first game with fewer than four receptions. I feel like this game will be, uh, week nine rather, will be an outlier because he's been fairly consistent previously. Yes. Um, he only had one less catch than Donovan Peoples-Jones, and look how different their totals were. Yeah, yeah. It can it can come at, at any given play. Yeah. I do think you trust him, though, more for the future. Um, I guess we're ready to move on. Yeah, let's go for it. All right, Falcons, Cowboys. Last week, week nine, a very surprising win for the Falcons against the Saints, and a very surprising 
loss for the Cowboys against the Broncos. Um, so this will be interesting. Matt Ryan was 23 for 30, 343 passing yards on two touchdowns, and he added a rushing touchdown as well, good for 28.52 fantasy points. This is Ryan's fourth 300-plus passing yard game, and this season he's had a pretty he's done pretty well statistically. 15 touchdowns, it's not an absurd amount, but only six interceptions. You don't feel, I mean, it's not awful, but um, I mean, it's not bad. Cowboys defense ranks 25th in passing yardage against. They allowed Bridgewater to put up a somewhat decent day against them. Um, do you think that Matt Ryan should be rostered in almost every league? I guess I should say, like as a reliable QB two. Uh, so I'll say this: uh, Matt Ryan in our league, six point passing TD is he's position rank 16. So. Is he rosterable in every league? I wouldn't say necessarily yes to that. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, we, we just saw what Bridgewater did against the Cowboys last week. Had a pretty good game. Uh, we know that Matt Ryan is con- he's certainly capable of putting up points. I think he did it again. The I mean, we just covered that he did it in, against the Saints, which is a tough passing defense. Yeah. So I think that he is certainly a bi-week fill-in option this week. For sure. I feel pretty good about that. Um, but, yeah, outside of that, I think, you know, there, there are probably better options out there, and, and you probably roster them already. I do agree. Um, with that, I guess we can move on to the running backs, Cordero Patterson and Mike Davis. Cordero Patterson, nine carries for 10 yards. Mike Davis, Mike Davis nine carries for 13 yards. So both of them are extremely inefficient on the ground. But this is the real difference between them. Mike Davis only added one catch for five yards, while Patterson added six catches for 126 receiving yards. Um, I think that, you know, this is just more of the same of what's been happening this season. If uh, Atlanta can't get it done on the ground, Mike Davis is completely left out to die, basically, while Patterson has a big day. Um, And it's just crazy. I I read something... I saw on Twitter today that uh, I think that Patterson's ADP in drafts, average draft position in this season was wide receiver 78, which that's another added funny uh, aspect to him. And he's currently like running back seven. So a position change and a much higher fantasy ranking. Um, He's just so versatile as we've talked about. I mean, he's not like Kamara, McCaffrey, or Eckler, not even close, but he has the similar uh, abilities where if one aspect of his game or one aspect of the o- offense is not working, he'll just explode on the other side uh, through passing. So I think that you trust him, and I I don't know. What, what do you think owners of Mike Davis should do? I mean, he's had some good weeks, uh recently but overall he's had a very underwhelming season yeah uh i think that well i think that mike davis is pretty much unusable because he can his ceiling is about 10 points and his floor is about one or less yeah so i mean how can you how can you justify you know you've got to have better options at flex because he's certainly not He's certainly not an RB2. 
uh, yeah, I think I think Mike Davis belongs on your bench. If not, just kind of floating in the, in the waiver pool. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't look at anyone funny if they dropped him. I this is Patterson's backfield, and and even when they don't get it done on the ground, it's still gonna be Patterson through the air. So, yeah, I, I think that Mike Davis is uh, pretty much fantasy irrelevant at this point. Yeah, agreed. Um, we can move on to the pass catchers. Russell Gage, even after his extremely strange performance where he had no targets in week eight, um, was he healthy? Because I looked at the app and it was just dashes. It wasn't zeros, but that's just because he literally didn't have any looks. Yeah, that's correct. He was on the field. He was playing. Ridiculous. He, was, but, he suited up for that game, but he didn't do anything. Yeah, but this is what you probably would have expected from him um, in Calvin Ridley's absence. Gage led the team in targets with eight. Um, I would say that this is probably that this is probably a performance that will happen a lot the rest of the season as long as Ridley's out. Would you agree? Not necessarily. Okay. Um, I, I because I think that whenever he had zero targets in week eight, I think that any player any player that is worth having on your team should never go untargeted i think that you don't understand what i'm saying uh, a little bit i guess can continue explaining so yeah so i think that when you see a player like him not get any targets in a week that they're down yeah. calvin ridley it's true and it's projected that he's going to be the leading uh you know receiver in that offense and he ends the day with zero targets I mean that that's somebody that you if you start them, you're you're you have to be willing to get burned by that choice. So for me, I don't think he is a priority waiver pickup like you have in the notes here because uh, he's he's already proven to me in one week that he was completely irrelevant to their offense. So if you're desperate, I get it, but you have to you have to face the possibility that he could burn you like he did in week eight. Yeah, um, I agree with that. I wouldn't, Someone... here, here's, yeah, here's the other part is that I just, I wouldn't expect consistency from Gage. I agree. I do agree. I think he might be worth rostering, but uh, the fact that he did nothing in this offense in the same situation, you don't feel amazing about that. Um, right. Could be a different conversation in a few weeks, but yeah, I don't think you're, I agree with that. Uh, someone that I think should become more reliable is Kyle Pitts, who only had three receptions for 62 yards. Uh, Pitts saw seven targets, caught three of them. Uh, like, I, like I said before, Pitts was bound to regress from his weeks five and seven performances where he had huge plays that allowed him to boom. Um, but I do expect Pitts to be more reliable than this on a week-to-week basis than he was in week nine. And this Cowboys defense is relatively middle of the road. Uh, and they're easier to pass against than run against, so I think that makes you feel good about pretty much everyone we're talking about because they all have uh, receiving versatility. One thing I do want to say before I move on to the Cowboys, uh, just looking at Week 9, like the top 10 uh, scoring wide receivers, it was an extremely strange week. Uh, Olamide Zacchaeus, is that how you pronounce his name? Uh, I yeah, right. I believe so. He was wide receiver 4 last week. I don't buy his production. Uh, only three catches, but two of them were touchdowns. Someone on the Cowboys, very similar stat line, Malik Turner, five catches, two touchdowns. These are two players I don't really trust. 
but it just shows you how weird last week was to just see both those type of players explode. Um, yeah, it seemed like it, a it seemed week. like yeah. Watching last week's games, it felt like every time someone was scoring, it was like, who was that guy? Yeah. So yeah, I I totally agree with that. I think that those are uh, those are aberrations, not something to expect week to week. Yeah, and I have a few players that are very big surprises that were in this top 10 uh, scoring wide receivers in Week 9 that we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but yeah, just strange week. Just wanted to mention that. Cowboys, though. Uh, Dak Prescott, 19 for 39, 232 passing yards, two passing touchdowns and interception. Uh, as I said before, Broncos unexpectedly dominated the Cowboys. Uh, so I'll ask you, did Denver successfully exploit Dallas's weaknesses, or was this more of a fluke for this offense? So when you're asking me that, what are their weaknesses? Because their offense is high-powered. So how, how, how are they stopped? Fluke. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. I mean, I, I think that's the case. I mean, we, we, we know that these, that, these, that these players are all fantasy-relevant. I mean, even, to, even down to the tight end, Dalton Schultz, yeah. who didn't have that terrible of a game for, for tight ends. I know. Uh, Getting them as but, a team I have to write notes for, I know that I'll be writing about them for a while because they have so many fantasy relevant options. Yeah, that, I mean that's what I mean. Like they they have top they have top fifteen or top twenty five at every position. So I'm not. Yeah, I, I think that this is a this is a bad game. They laid an egg, but I think that you know especially against the Falcons, they have a great opportunity to bounce back. Yeah, I, I do agree that they're bound to bounce back. I will say something that's interesting. It might be more uh, noise than news, but I just think it's interesting that Dak has had more sub-300 passing yard games than 300-plus uh, passing yard games this season. Um, uh, I mean, well, considering the pace that he was on last season, I yes. would agree with that. But you have to keep in mind that it's a it's a it's not it's not easy to throw for th- over 300 passing yards every week. Yeah. Like very few, very few players do it. And it's like, it, I mean, I think in this, in this season, I think it's like Brady and Derek Carr, are your two top, uh, passers in the league. And so yeah. like, I'm going to look up Brady as we talk about, uh, the rest of the, uh, Cowboys offense. But like, even I'm looking at Brady's stats right now and he's got, one, two, three, four. He's only got four games of his eight that he's played that were over three hundred yards. So, I'm not, I'm, I'm not too concerned about Dak, and I'm not too concerned about the rest of this offense. I think it was just a bad week. Yeah. So I'll, I'll swiftly move through the rest of the players because I do agree they all had pretty subpar weeks in week nine, but I do expect them all to bounce back. Pretty much all the people I'm talking about. Zeke had twelve point six fantasy points, so he did do awful, but not great. Uh, only three games this season with fewer than 15 fantasy points, and two of them have come from the past two weeks, but I expect him to bounce back. And the Falcons' defense ranks 23rd in rushing yardage allowed per game at 123.1, so I expect him to get a better workload. Um, Dallas only rushed the ball 16 times in Week 9, so I just expect him to improve from there. Uh, CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, and I'll just throw in Dalton Schultz too, uh, all of them, or none of them did amazing. Schultz actually did the best out of all of them. Uh, but these are all players... I, I mean, I guess I'll ask you. How, how do you value Schultz in this offense? Uh, I think Michael Gallup is set to return this week. Uh, with Lamb and Cooper, those are players who are starting every week, and I expect them to bounce back. But Schultz has been interesting. Uh, do you have any confidence in him? I do. 
I think that he's proven himself uh, in this offense, uh, especially considering at the beginning of the season that it was kind of a split between him and Blake Jarwin. Uh, but Schultz has kind of proven himself that he's a reliable pass catcher. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head how many touchdowns he has. Probably not too many, maybe a couple. He's had some pretty good weeks. Uh, And then, you know, considering that he's a tight end, the bar is so low. Yeah, he's got three touchdowns on the season, uh, two in one game back in week three. But I do think that even with the the addition of uh, Gallup coming back, I still think Schultz has a a feature in this offense that I'll continue to use as long as my pass catchers are banged up in my in my own personal team. But also, I think that for uh, for leagues that require a tight end, Dalton Schultz, you know, there are worse options. For sure, he's, he's tight end six. So I mean, you know, that's that's something. Yeah, and even though the Saints surprisingly did not pull out a win against the Falcons last week got to remember that this defense this falcons defense is relatively weak and they rank 27th in points against uh, a game at 26 so i expect this cowboys defense or cowboys offense rather to definitely bounce back um we can move on to the next game i'll talk about panthers cardinals Uh, i'll start with christian mccaffrey real quick uh respectable return for him obviously not a mccaffrey day because i mean i think he was even projected uh, 22 even though he was set to be on some sort of a snap count but i mean he yeah, just showed his versatility was, that was never gonna happen <laughs> yeah i mean the fact that he, you're almost he, disappointed he, with mccaff go ahead go ahead well he he got about like 49 percent of the of the snaps so he played less than half of the game yeah uh, and still had 14.6 fantasy points he's just yeah, extremely I, talented yeah there's no doubt that people who drafted or managers who drafted McCaffrey have been missing him and he's coming back at a good time. Hopefully you've maintained a respectable record in that time so that you can utilize McCaffrey on your run to the playoffs. But I, I think that, you know, they're going to, they're going to reintroduce him the right way. They're not trying to re re-aggravate his injuries. So I think that you can feel confident as long as they continue to, to manage his injury correctly, that he's going to be a reliable asset to your team once again. Yeah, uh, agreed. So, <laughs> I, I guess my analysis changes a bit now that there's news that Darnold will be out for multiple weeks. Does that make you feel better about DJ Moore? It has to. It can't get yeah. worse. PJ Walker is slated to start presumably the next four games at least because Sam Darnold is expected to miss four weeks and being placed on IR. Uh, so yeah, PJ Walker is the new guy in the offense. It can't, like I said, it can't get, it really can't get worse for these for these pass catchers. Maybe we'll finally see Robbie Anderson emerge. Who knows? Can I mean, happen. that yeah, that guy has been. I'm sure he's been dropped in a lot of leagues and rightfully so. But maybe with a new uh, a new quarterback at the helm, who knows? I think, but I think it can only go up from here. Yeah, I mean, uh, Darnold's performance in Week Nine: 172 passing yards and three interceptions. It's it's got to go up from there. Um, that's really all I have to say with this Panthers offense. It'll be interesting to see what PJ Walker does for them. Um, but the Cardinals defense yeah. is very strong, so that's a tough game for him to come into uh cardinals defense is ranking fourth in total yards allowed 
uh, total yards allowed a game at 321, and second in points against a game at only 16.3. Um, they are easier to run against than pass against, but I mean, McCaffrey so can good do it news for McCaffrey. Yeah, good news for McCaffrey, but yeah, I overall think the defense expectations all around. Yes, agreed. Yeah. Talk yeah. about the Cardinals. Don't have a ton of notes for all these people, um, but they do have a ton of fantasy relevant players, just like the Cowboys. Kyler Murray monitor his injury status this week. Uh, it, would it just be pure speculation, or do you feel like he has any chance of playing this week? Well, he himself, and obviously you have to take a player's word um, with a little, you know, a grain of salt of some sorts, because obviously they're going to want to play. They're going to be optimistic about themselves. But Kyler Murray said today that he made crazy progress on his uh, on his injury, and so he expects to be available to play if there's, you know, if there's truth to that and he gets cleared. Obviously, that's a boost to this uh, to this offense. And it'd be a boost to my fantasy team as well. So I, I, I'll be holding out hope. Uh, but Certainly. I mean, Kyler Murray to some degree is matchup proof, but this Panthers defense is very strong against the pass, only being second in passing yardage allowed uh, a game at 181.4. That's very low. But, I mean, Kyler's versatility, you got to still feel pretty good about him and you're not benching him if he's active. Um, yeah, I would be. I would say this: if Kyler starts, I would be a little concerned about him running too much, considering yeah. he it was an ankle injury. So that might be something that kind of you have to keep in mind. You get lower expectations a little bit because it is a tough matchup, and he's coming off of an injury. Uh, and this is all if he plays. It, it's still possible that he may miss another week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chase Edmonds got injured during the week nine game and he's expected to miss multiple weeks with a high ankle sprain um so that opened the door for james connor who was the highest scoring player in fantasy in week nine i uh, had 40.3 fantasy points 20 on rushes sense. for 96 rushing yards two touchdowns two rushing touchdowns five receptions for 77 receiving yards and one receiving touchdown connor boomed in Edmonds' absence from most of the game last week and he is non-qb of course uh, but the league leader in touchdowns, which is just ridiculous. Do you think that Connor is a must-start running back in Week Ten? Well, considering that he doesn't have to compete with Edmonds for touches, you don't like you don't love the matchup. But we have consistently seen that Connor is the guy uh, towards the goal line that gets those carries and delivers on them. So yeah, I think he's. I honestly, I think he's an RB one this week. Yeah, I agree. I think I read something. Oh, I don't remember the exact um, stat, but it was like goal line carries. He has like eight, and he's converted seven of them. It was it was something ridiculous like that. Like he only had one at that range that he did not convert yeah, for a touchdown. I mean, you don't you don't get to have eleven touchdowns in ten game or in nine games played and not be consistent and reliable. Yeah. Yep, it's true. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Your team's picking up a lot of injuries, I'm realizing. <laughs> Unfortunate for you, you have Hopkins. Uh, monitor his injury status this week. Well, actually, formally had Hopkins. I traded it. Oh, he yeah. was involved in the Nick Chubb trade. Totally forgot. So now he's now he's Noah's problem. Some, someone else's problem, that's right. Yeah, but you got you got a COVID guy back for him. So um, Yeah. But yes, monitor Hopkins' injury status this week, because obviously 
he is extremely fantasy relevant if healthy. Um, and I think you also need to be monitoring like all of the pass catchers injury status this week because Christian Kirk, 16.42 fantasy points. He got it done in Hopkins and Green's absence. Kirk led the team in targets with only six. Um, but I guess I'll ask you, so keep in mind that this was Hopkins and Green being out, but yes. do you think... I mean, we've been talking about this every week, and it's very hard to project. Do you think Kirk is the next best pass catcher on this offense after Hopkins? Because Rondell Moore has kind of fizzled out, to be honest. And Yeah, it's, certain, it's certainly not Rondell Moore, and we've talked about that in the past, but I do think that it's more of a conversation between Kirk and A.J. Green. Uh, I think that, you know, given the uh, their game logs, we'll say that A.J. Green's been the more reliable option in that passing offense beyond... Uh, or besides Hopkins, rather. Uh, but it's still kind of up in the air if uh, Green will be available this week. So if that's the case and he's missing another week, and, you know, if, if Hopkins misses another week, then you got to be excited about having Christian Kirk on your roster despite the matchup. Uh, I agree. I think he is uh, a very safe option with, <laughs> I guess, other pass catchers being banged up. Um, yeah, that's well. That's the thing is that that's kind of the, one of the reasons that uh, encouraged me to trade Hopkins was just, and we talked about it all season long that this Cardinals pass passing offense has so many mouths to feed. So it's it's kind of created a, a touchdown dependent Hopkins that we're not used to seeing. Uh, so. I think that as long as people are injured and there are other players that kind of have to pick up the slack, those players are going to have success because of the efficiency of the Cardinals passing offense. Yeah, I agree. And just using the same analysis and applying it to Zach Ertz. Unfortunately, we kind of hoping that this move would have revitalized his uh, career. Uh, but as far as fantasy, it hasn't. He's still a touchdown dependent tight end just because of all the mouths that are needed to be feed feeded in this off, offense. Um, fed. So yeah, fed. I knew that didn't sound good. <laughs> um, Panthers defense has been strong this season, as we've talked about, r- raking second in total yards allowed uh, in, a, in per game, two hundred ninety three point one. So that's very low, and sixth in pa- in points against in a, each game, nineteen point four. But they are much easier to run against than pass against, which could be great for James Conner. Um, we'll move on to yeah, the next game. Giddy up. Yes. Vikings, Chargers. Uh, Kirk Cousins, 17 for 28, 187 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, and one rush for one yard for one rushing touchdown. Um, yeah, I'll ask QB, you. QB sneak. Yes, because you do have Cousins, I'll ask you. Is Cousins a low-end QB1, or is he still just a reliable QB2? Well, I think he's a I think he's a great bye-week fill-in. I used him last week when Brady was on bye, and obviously I was, you know, satisfied with the results. He got he got it done with his legs. You know, he got it done with his arm a little bit. Not, not too many passing yards, but passing touchdowns help in our league. Um... So I will say this. I think that the Vikings, I mean, Dalvin Cook had a pretty good game this week. You know, you can't complain with 110 rushing yards, but I think we've seen more this season than maybe last that uh, the Vikings are passing a lot more. And I think a lot of their offense goes through their pass catchers, Jefferson and Thielen. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like his, I like the weapons he has around him. 
their defense is not horrible, so it's it's kind of a good overall situation for the Vikings. I think that yeah, I think Cousins is a he's a borderline. I'll say top twelve just to kind of hedge my bet a little bit. Yeah, that's that sounds good. Uh, you mentioned Cook having. 110 rushing yards can't complain about that i'll find a little bit of a way to complain about that uh, respectable fantasy <laughs> day for cook not disappointed with his point total but it was disappointing because he started the game with a 66 yard run and you know kirk cousins also just stole a rushing touchdown from him but overall you still feel really good about dalvin cook and you feel good about this matchup because the chargers defense ranks last in oh, rushing you yards love you love the matchup yeah. yes I think it's I think it's very exciting for managers of Cook, yourself included. Uh, this should be a game where Cook, uh, I think he probably cashes in probably twice, and uh, for, for touchdowns. Dream. Yeah, I wouldn't be dream. surprised. I, I would not be surprised to see him have a two touchdown performance, uh, and then we can talk a little bit about the pass catchers that I uh, already mentioned, but kind of quiet days for both of them, despite yeah. what their fantasy points say. Yeah, uh, Jefferson locked out by finding the end zone. Uh, Cousins only completed 17 passes. He was efficient with them, but yeah, Jefferson was lucky to find the end zone. Thielen was not as lucky. Uh, Thielen was tied for the most... Well, uh, Thielen did also find the end zone. It was just like <laughs> on six total receiving yards and two receptions, so it didn't actually help mm-hmm. his day or salvage anything really for him, but Thielen was tied six points yeah Thielen was tied for the most targets at seven with Tyler Conklin someone we've talked about a bit in the past uh but as I said it ended with a very strange stat line so I'll ask you is Conklin worth picking up in leagues that have tight ends is a reliable option yeah we're seeing consistent uh targets coming his way and you, you you know when you're looking at tight ends that's kind of what you have to base your decision off of if you don't have a Travis Kelsey or a Darren Waller or a Mark Andrews like these these guys that are outside of that top three top four at the position like yeah you're you're looking for who's getting a lot of targets and who has the opportunity to to cash in on those so yeah Conklin's a good option if you uh if you need if you're in need of a tight end yep um I feel like we've really pinpointed tight ends uh this i guess you could say this season uh with our show it's but it's kind of easy to do you know you just find someone who's getting looks and they're getting emerge as a good option at that position it just it's a testament to how shallow the position is but hey i'm glad that our analysis is actually like paying off ahead of the time and we're predicting things correctly um yeah I guess we've, we'll just... we've had a few we've had a few success stories in terms of tight ends with uh ricky seals jones i think was the first and then yes. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, and we've talked about Dan Arnold recently. So yeah, Conklin too. Like, uh, if there's anything that we can pick so far, it's tight ends, and that's a very uh, worthless. I think that's a pretty worthless <laughs> thing to have under our belts. But uh, yeah, not for DFS, but some, in general, it's, it's something. Yeah, it's something. Uh, Chargers defense, as I've said before, really good matchup for the run, but they are not a bad pass defense. So keep that in mind. Uh, when you evaluate these Vikings players. But we'll move on to the Chargers themselves. Uh, Justin Herbert had a nice bounce-back game. That was good to see, proving that he's a quality QB1. 32 for 38, very efficient. 356 passing yards and two passing touchdowns. And he also found the end zone uh, on his 
through his legs. So that is great to see. Wow, from thirty-two catch, thirty-two completions. So Mike Williams probably had like ten or like fifteen catches, right? Yeah, you'd think that, but he had two, two. Oh, yes, uh, second most targets on the team, but that was only five. So Herbert really spread the ball in this game. Uh, but one player he did really like was Keenan Allen, who, this is where all the receptions went to, 12 receptions for 104 yards. Uh, Allen had his best fantasy game of the season and led the team in targets of 13. So it was basically just like Keenan Allen's day and then anyone else that Herbert could see because uh, Mike Williams did not capitalize that like you were leading into. Uh, this is Keenan Allen's <laughs> third game this season with 100-plus receiving yards. And I guess I'll ask you, because this is a the opposite of the question we asked previously, is it safe to say that Allen has re-surpassed Williams in this offense? Well, Mike Williams has definitely been on a uh, difficult stretch, we'll say. A, a disappointing stretch. Uh, it... <sighs> I'm not, I'm not really sure how to make sense of it. I think that, obviously, they're throwing a lot, and I, I don't know if you mentioned it, but Austin Eckler only had three catches this game. Like, that's, that's uh, like, unexpected for this offense. So, I don't know. I, I Mike Williams has kind of been this way in the past, but we saw it with such consistency at the beginning of yeah. the season. That's what, that's what, you know, inspired the question of, has he surpassed Keenan Allen in this offense? And at the time, it certainly looked that way. Uh, and now, at this state in the, at this stage in the season, I think it, the opposite is becoming true. That Keenan Allen is the is the wide receiver that you want. But we've seen that Mike Williams has that ceiling it, it, this year. So it's kind of one of those things where you have to start him week to week until. I mean, at some point, you're going to want to stop if he continues to do poorly. But uh, I'm not. I'm not certain what the what the real reason is that he's on this uh, this stretch. Yeah, it's disappointing for people like Williams who are probably so happy to have him with where they drafted him and riding high, and now he's kind of regressed a ton. So yeah, it's the reality the reality is that he did he was drafted extremely late, and so from that perspective, you kind of have to take what you get. Yeah, it's true. Uh, you mentioned Eckler kind of had a subpar day by his standards. Still had eleven point two fantasy points, so not like a dud, but disappointing for him but he does have a double digit floor honestly just because of his versatility as we've talked about before um i guess the last part i'll talk about jared cook four receptions for 48 yards and i think he must have caught a two-point conversion because he had 10.8 fantasy points so even though he didn't score a touchdown this game i'll ask you is cook a tight uh, touchdown dependent low end tight end one uh pretty much every tight end in the league <laughs> is a touchdown dependent low end tight end one that is that is very fair. Yeah, I, I we've talked about this in the past that Jared Cook he's been not very good um, this season. He's got multiple games under thirty receiving yards. I'm counting one, two, three, four games under thirty receiving yards. So, yeah, if he doesn't score a touchdown, his ceiling, his or I suppose his floor is very low. Both both ceiling and floor are pretty low for Jared Cook. So I'm not too eager to pick him up this week. Agreed. I agree with that. Um, I will say something I skipped over for Eckler. This might be a game where a lot of running takes place because the Vikings defense ranks 30th in rushing yards 
uh, allowed a game at 136.6. So both of them have very uh, lackluster run defenses. And this yeah, Vikings two, defense, go ahead. Two running backs. Sorry, just to say that uh, two running backs in Cook and Eckler that you might want to consider paying up for at DFS. Yes, that is completely true. And this Vikings defense overall is relatively weak as they rank 27th in total yarded, total yards allowed a game at 383.6. So I feel like this will be a pretty productive day for both offenses. It should be a high-scoring game. Yeah, I expect it, especially with how the Vikings have had so many close games this year. Um, they've been in, they've gone to overtime multiple times, which, you know, increases the opportunity for fantasy points. Uh, I do expect, I do expect high scoring on both ends of this game. Agreed. Move on to the next game. Seahawks, Packers. Uh, we talked about Russell Wilson a bit earlier when talking about Carson Wentz. Uh, Wilson's set to make his return from his finger injury that had him left out since week five. He averaged 22.39 fantasy points in weeks one through four. And I would say that he's got to be a must-start QB. Uh, would you Unless agree you with have that? Carson Wentz. Yeah, Unless Carson Wentz is the only Wentz. guy that can trump him. But honestly, yeah, like he's no, I do. Carson I Wentz is that... just like a, like a really good QB too. I doubt you have someone uh, better than him as your next option after Wilson. No, I like I like Russell Wilson a lot. I and I think this Packers defense is. I mean, they have contained Mahomes and Murray in the last two games that they've played, but I mean, just it's kind of the way that the Seahawks are. They 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 rely on Chris Carson, who may be returning this week a lot, and they also have big playmakers in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So, I I'm not I'm not uh, afraid to start Wilson in his first game back this week. Yeah, I think that's fair. You hinted at Carson, could make his return from his neck injury that had him left out since week four. I believe he practiced in some capacity today, which is the first time he's done that in weeks, so that's good. Uh, Chris Carson averaged 14.67 fantasy points in weeks one through three where he played. So I, I, I would say that you've already kind of hinted at it because this offense relies on him. You feel confident starting Carson if he's active. Would you agree? Um, It depends. At least maybe as a flex. Sure. I, I think that, yeah, certainly if, if he's if he's falling into your flex, that's okay. Uh, I think that it depends. The fact that he is just now beginning to practice after such a long stretch is a little concerning, but he is a talented player. He is someone that they rely on, like I said. So, you know, I, I think probably maybe lower expectations a little bit for his first game back, but... Yeah, I'm okay with you starting minute flex. Yeah, I heard uh, today people analyzing his injury that his neck injury, I guess, doesn't have much risk of being re-aggravated. It just might hurt his longevity as a as a running back. So um, unless you're in a dynasty league, I think that you're not too worried about him re-injuring what he's dealing with, uh, just like in any given week this season. But I guess keep that in mind. That's disappointing for his outlook as a player. Um but we can move on to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And in week eight, they actually, in their last game, because they were on by in week nine, week eight, they actually coexisted and both boomed, honestly. Um, yeah. 22.3 fantasy points for Metcalf and 26.2 fantasy points for Lockett. Um, I mean, Lockett had an astounding receiving day and Metcalf had a 
two touchdown uh, game. Met, so, Metcalf played like Metcalf, and Lockett exactly. played played above his uh, his expectation there. I'd say. And even though this Packers defense is relatively strong, making fifth in total yardage allowed a game at three twenty one, and seventh in pa- uh, points against a game at twenty, I think with Russell Wilson back, you you're back to being very confident in these two wide receivers. Yeah, you certainly feel better about them than you did when Geno Smith was there. I mean, uh, yeah, the fact that they were able to put up this these performances <laughs> respectively in Week Eight with Geno Smith, I mean, you got to be very confident with Wilson. Yeah, certainly you feel good about it. And like you said, the Packers' defense is no slouch, uh, but Russell Wilson makes plays. Yeah, we'll move on to the Packers. Uh, I'll say that the Seahawks' defense ranks 28th in passing yards allowed in a, in a, per game, 273.9. So I, I think it goes out saying that Rodgers is a must-start QB if he's playing, and I think that's really all there is to it. Um, I guess he's expected to be available, should be cleared on Saturday, and I, it's already been said by their coach that if he's available, he's playing, regardless of if he gets a practice in. I guess he probably can't get a practice in no matter what, but he'll be nope. playing if yeah. he's available. Um, so yeah, he's a must-start in a good matchup as far as passing is concerned. Uh, I'll lump together the two running backs real quick. Aaron Jones, 12 rushes for 53 yards, and zero receptions and aj dillon eight rushes for 46 yards and four receptions for 44 yards making 13 fantasy points uh as i mentioned this is jones first game this season with zero receptions um i think we need a hashtag free aaron jones and i'll ask you are you concerned about jones usage or is this just bad circumstance from the wide receiver dilemma in week eight which we analyzed uh before and Jordan Love just being the Q- QB in Week 9. Do you think that's just bad circumstance, or is are you actually alarmed with Aaron Jones? Well, I think his struggles go beyond Weeks 8 and 9. Um, uh, those were his, like, low his... points as far as just, like, uh, compared to Dylan's usage, because I think that's even more alarming. Well, when we talked about Week 8 and the uh, wide receiver uh, fallout for that team what we saw was that Aaron Jones was extremely involved in the passing game. He had seven catches for 51 yards on 11 targets. So that usage doesn't scare or that doesn't bother you at all. The the issue is this past week, really against Kansas city. I mean, the whole offense looked pretty bad under Jordan love. You weren't impressed by him at all. And yeah, being, being out carried or at least out used, I guess, by A.J. Dillon is concerning. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, he's been, I think he's been pretty disappointing this year. His his season standing would look a lot different if you took away his week two game where he had 41 and a half fantasy points. So you think he's more of a player that you would be concerned with fantasy-wise more than being a buy-low opportunity? Uh, you can certainly try to buy low. I think that... You may not, you may not pay off as much as you think. He has a late buy week thirteen, so his fantasy playoffs are Chicago, Baltimore, Cleveland, and Minnesota. So you like? Oh, sorry, actually that's incorrect. I, I'm used to the seventeen week format. Um, <laughs> so that would make his 
playoffs, Baltimore, Cleveland, Minnesota, and Detroit. So Baltimore and Detroit are good matchups on the bookends of that fantasy run, or that playoffs run, rather. But then Cleveland and Minnesota in the middle, though, are... Oh, Minnesota's a good matchup. Yeah. So, okay, three of the four matchups are good. If you want to go for a playoffs run with Aaron Jones, I... I don't, you know, I don't, I don't hate that perspective, but I think that the way he's been used recently, outside of Week Eight, where it was more circumstance than than usual, I, I would be a little concerned about Aaron Jones. It, it's just baffling. Like whenever that they were playing behind against the Chiefs and Jordan Love at QB, like Jones, they needed to be passing, and just Jones wasn't out there most of the time. It was, it was a little baffling. Like, our dad, who has Aaron Jones, was like, is he injured? Like, what's going on? <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's definitely strange. Devontae Adams only had 10.2 fantasy points. He led the team in targets with 14, but did not really capitalize on them. But he's had double-digit fantasy scoring every game this season, and you expect him to be extremely reliable and back to his QB1 stat or uh, wide receiver 1 status with Aaron Rodgers back. And the Seahawks defense this week, ranking 31st. And total yards allowed a game at 401.5, so you feel good about that matchup for sure. Yeah. Um, we'll move on to the next game, Eagles-Broncos. Um, Jalen Hurts, 11 for 17, 162 passing yards and one passing touchdown and 10 rushes for 62 yards, making out to be 16.68 fantasy points. Um <laughs> Uh, two great fantasy QBs went against each other in Week 9 when he faced Justin Herbert, but we are reminded that only one of them is a great NFL QB, that being Justin Herbert. And I guess I'll just ask you, am I being too harsh on Hurts? Or, I guess, I guess I, he's so hard to evaluate for me, because he's got such a great floor with rushing, but uh, well, how do you evaluate I th- him? I think you're being a little hard on him. So, the next couple weeks are not great matchups. He's going against Denver this week, and then... Uh, the Saints the following week. Uh, but then he gets a couple of cake matchups, I feel like, in the Giants and the Jets. So yeah. before their week 14 bye. I think, I mean, we've seen Hurts be a reliable and consistent fantasy asset uh, if you take away weeks 8 and 9. So I think he probably bounces back, maybe not as soon as you'd like him to. Yeah. But uh, with, his, with his legs, he's definitely capable of, you know, putting up points despite his passing woes. I'm not I'm not really I'm not as uh I'm not going to be as harsh on him as you are. Fair enough. I am quite harsh on him. Um <laughs> and like you said this is not a good matchup against the Broncos. Broncos defense ranks 8th in uh passing yardage allowed a game at only 223.4. So, don't feel great about that. And I'll move on to the running backs real quick because that's another area of this offense that hurts has a lot of his value. Uh, Jordan Howard, <laughs> 17 rushes for 71 yards and a touchdown. Kenneth Gainwell, two rushes. One of them was a touchdown. And Boston Scott, 10 rushes, 40 yards. Uh, this running back room is incredibly unpredictable, and I don't think you're confident starting any of them. Do you agree? I can't. I no. I kind of disagree. I think you think, that, you, I think, think you, jo- you buy Jordan Howard. I do a little bit. I mean, he, he had the bulk of the carries, and he did a pretty good job with them. He found his way into the end zone again. I think, I mean, obviously you don't love the matchup, but among the running backs on this team, not named Jalen Hurts, perhaps, I think Jordan Howard is the next best option uh, to be used in this offense. 
It's just so weird. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens when Miles Sanders comes back. It's just so annoying. I held Kenneth Gainwell on my team for seven weeks just for him to get his opportunity when Miles Sanders got injured, and he's worse. It, it's hey, just weird. I, I, I held Michael Thomas for eight weeks and got nothing. You know, okay. Sometimes it doesn't pay off. Yeah, it's true, for sure. Uh, and, and as I said before, this Broncos defense is very strong. They rank sixth in rushing yards allowed per game at only 98.3. Um, so we'll move on to some pass catchers. Devontae Smith had a good day. Five receptions for 116 receiving yards and a touchdown. 22.6 fantasy points. And Goddard had a more disappointing day. Three receptions for 43 yards. Um, so I you guess I'll... You gotta keep in mind that, I mean, that's pretty much all of Hurts' passing yards. Yep, that is true. So that's, that's eight. It's... That's eight receptions between the two of them, and he only completed 11 passes. Yeah, so... It, it comes I mean there's a common theme that we're that we're showing here in, in terms of quarterbacks directly affecting their pass catchers yeah. and Hertz is sense. one of those quarterbacks that when they don't have a lot of yardage and they don't have a lot of completions the pass catchers are gonna suffer yeah it's true um do you trust them against this Broncos defense which is strong I'll, I'll read How some can stats. You? yeah I guess you can't can. they rank sixth in no, total I... yards allowed a game and third in points against. I just want to hear you say you don't can't trust him against that Broncos defense. Regardless, <laughs> regardless of matchup, yeah. Jalen Hurts has had standalone value as a fantasy player because of his legs and his rushing ability. And yeah, he throws the ball around quite a bit sometimes, but you can't count on these guys. I mean, there's a reason that Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard are not higher in the rankings because. They just they have a they have a quarterback that doesn't always find them. It's just a really gross offense. Just in general, fantasy <laughs> NFL don't like them. Sure, I get it. I mean, I listen. I'm not a fan of the Eagles. I <laughs> the, the the old Philly special. No, thank you. Yeah. Yes. Uh, one of the Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater, 19 for 28, 249 passing yards and a passing touchdown. And this is weird. Three rushes for negative one yards, but one of them was a touchdown. So that's good. 21.86 fantasy points. Uh, this could have changed after last night's waivers processed, but earlier this week he was only rostered in 24.3% of leagues. So I'll ask you, should Bridgewater be rostered in more? Uh, I don't think so, honestly. Like, I mean, you can if you want, but... Uh... I think Eagles, I'll say Eagles, I think he's proven to be reliable as a fill-in, but he's never breaking out. Like, uh, yeah, and that that percentage actually. Sure. I think his I think his ceiling is lower than a lot of other quarterbacks because he doesn't throw many touchdowns. Yeah. And in this particular matchup, the Eagles have been really good against uh, wide receivers, so I don't necessarily feel great about starting Bridgewater this week or many of the pass catchers in this Broncos offense uh I think really the I think really the 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 uh value comes in the backfield with the running backs I agree I agree and we can talk about that right now Melvin Gordon 21 rushes for 80 yards and a touchdown and two receptions for 15 yards 17.5 fantasy points and Javante Williams uh not an amazing fantasy day but a great uh, rushing day for him with 111 rushing yards, which is where he got all of his points. Uh, 
This is Javante Williams' first game this season without a reception, but his first game with 100-plus rushing yards. Uh, so I guess I'll ask you, they did it last week to some degree. Can this offense sustain the fantasy value of both of them? I think this will probably probably be one of the outlier games because we haven't really seen both players finish in double digits very often. Uh, it usually comes down to who finds the end zone. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Williams obviously had a great day on the ground, but like you said, no catches, and you don't like to see that. Uh, it's it's a tough it's a tough situation. I think they both limit each other in their uh, ceilings, but yeah. for the future, I think, and for real NFL purposes, you know, the Broncos have to be happy with how their backfield's performing because they're putting up numbers, and that's I mean, that's really all they can ask. Collectively, for. put up 191 rushing yards against the Cowboys. That's ridiculous. And, and this that's a, good, e- that's a good stat line. Yeah, this Eagles defense doesn't scare you too much either. Ranking 20th in rushing yards allowed per game at 119.7. So that's lower than 191, but still a pretty good matchup. Um, Move on to the pass catchers. It's been interesting. Tim Patrick, 18.5 fantasy points. Jerry Judy, 12.9. Cortland Sutton, 3.9. And Noah Fant was on the COVID list. Um, I'll just say this is potentially the reverse ranking of how we thought this offense would operate between the three wide receivers. Sutton has only scored single digits in the games Judy has played this season. So I'll just ask you, what do you make of this offense and their pass catchers? <laughs> well, that statistic is a little spooky if you roster Cortland Sutton, but yes. <laughs> it's a small sample size. I think that those probably kind of, you know, fix themselves and you're not too worried about it. I, it's a weird, uh, but it was a game where the Broncos dominated on the ground and when that's yeah. the case, there's not going to be as many opportunities for those good pass catchers to get as much involvement. So I'm not worried necessarily about Cortland Sutton uh, with Judy back in the offense. I think the most interesting thing, and maybe it had something to do with Noah Fant being absent, but the fact that Tim Patrick hasn't really disappeared like we thought he might. Yeah, he's um, honestly been even more consistent. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Some, some, Certain things have broken his way in that regard, like with Fant being out. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, we kind of talked about it earlier, but Teddy Bridgewater is not the highest ceiling quarterback, and that'll that'll hurt the pass catchers all around when there's so many competing for touches uh, in addition to the running backs. So, I don't know. It's a, it's, a lot of, it's, a, it's a lot of mouths to feed, but there's not a lot of upside because Bridgewater doesn't throw too many touchdowns. It's true. And this Eagles defense is middle of the road, but they're slightly easier to run against than pass against. So that's all I have with this matchup. Uh, We can move on to primetime Sunday night football with the Chiefs versus the Raiders divisional matchup. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had a disappointing day, only 10.44 fantasy points. Um, This is Mahomes' first game of the season without an interception since week one, so that's good to see. But... Uh, Mahomes has not thrown more than two passing touchdowns since week four. I, I, I how do you, I just, it, it's appalling. <laughs> You're at a I, loss for words. I'm at a loss for words for what's happening with Mahomes. But you gotta just throw him in your lineup. I, like, I can't believe that you could almost consider benching him. I mean, you can't. Yeah. But no, you can't. There's, there's two... <laughs> There's too much talent on the offense to to be to be scared away from this. They're really just 
they're one week away i feel like from you know getting right and and in fairness in fairness i mean usually there's one guy in the uh, receiving game that does that does show out week to week but it's not what you're used to seeing from the from the chiefs that's definitely true and this week it was kelsey but we'll talk about him in a second uh daryl williams 19 carries for 70 yards, three receptions for seven, 10.7 fantasy points. Williams uh, was back to being his undis- uh, having his undisputed RB1 status in this backfield during CEH's absence. No Derek Gore. Yeah, I think he only had three carries. He wasn't very involved, so that's good for Derek Williams. But CEH, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, monitor his injury status this week. I guess I'll just ask you, and this is going to be hard to predict, but what are your expectations for this backfield when CH returns, uh, I believe there's going to be more involvement from Daryl Williams than we would have seen prior to CEH's injury, and I think that Clyde's value it has only been diminished from his absence. I agree, and we've talked about that before, and I, I think that still rings true. Uh, this Raiders defense ranks 28th in rushing yards allowed per game, 133.5. So that's good for uh, you know, whichever running back's getting the most carries. Yeah, CEH is back in practice this week, um, so he could certainly be on the path to returning, uh, but we'll monitor that going into the weekend. Yes. Uh, Tyreek Hill, disappointing day. Four receptions, 37 yards, one rush for a negative four. 7.3 fantasy points. Hill led the team in targets with 11, but was very inefficient with them. Uh, and something that was very strange for Tyreek Hill is that in Week 9, his longest reception was only for 13 yards out of all four of his catches. Very strange day for him, for Cheetah, or whatever his nickname is. Um, yeah, that's it. Yes, very strange day for him. But Travis Kelsey had a good day. Uh, five receptions for 68 yards and a touchdown, 17.8 fantasy points. Uh, Kelsey finding the end zone helped him have a strong day. I uh, I assume that you probably think that this is an overreaction, but do you think the best days of this Chiefs, Chiefs offense is in the past, or are they going to bounce back and be... I mean, they're not even in the playoff picture right now. Yeah, it's it's a... It's a interesting situation that's happened to the Chiefs this season, but I think a lot of it has to do with the way that defenses are approaching their offense. I think that Andy Reid is a obviously a very competent coach he's going to figure out a way to figure this offense out re rework it and i you know i don't think that i don't i mean and mahomes is on a max deal for like the rest of his life so i think as long as he's there he's not going to get worse i think he's probably just in some sort of a slump but they'll get it figured out i'm not i'm not hitting the panic button on the chiefs yet yeah i I mean i would say they're definitely making the playoffs, but it just it's crazy that they're not even in the playoff picture right now after nine weeks, halfway through the season. Yeah. But I expect them to make it. But that's interesting. A difficult division. I think that's one of the strongest divisions in the league, personally. Um, Raiders defense, much easier to run against than pass against, but we're talking about Mahomes here, so I do expect him to bounce back. Uh, we can move on to the Raiders. Derek Carr, uh, 30 for 46, so a lot of passing action, but only threw for, eh, I mean, 296, not bad. He's one of the passing leaders this season, which has been a uh, 
strange narrative for this season, but only one passing touchdown and two interceptions. Um, and he also had a fumble. So turnovers definitely took a toll on his uh, fantasy total at 10.34 fantasy points in week nine. Uh, Carr has yet to throw more than two passing touchdowns in a game this season, as we talked about before, which is just very strange because of how many passing yards he's had. Um, yeah. Very strange. Definitely worth rostering, but um, yeah, it's been it's been interesting watching Carr's fantasy production this season. That's all mm-hmm. I really have with him. Uh, Josh Jacobs, it's a good matchup, and I'll talk about that whenever I do more of an overview of the Raiders. So I do expect him to bounce back and have a more productive day against the Chiefs. Um, Here's the real question. Do you think he throws for more than two passing touchdowns? <laughs> is, is this the week? I think that uh the whole world might stop for a second if that happens like everyone might be like huh it's gonna be it's gonna be appalling (laughs) it's so strange like i already said like how is he not throwing for more passing touchdowns with this yardage but it's 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 reminding me of a this this is how i can explain it Carr throwing more than two passing touchdowns will have the same this season will have the same effect as jacoby myers catching a receiving touchdown not true not true at all there's way more there's way more build up around jacoby myers than there's around Derek carr throwing more than two touchdowns there's, yes that's, as that's far an as absurd comparison oh i mean at the end of the day this is a weird comparison i'm making here yes Carr in the past has definitely thrown for more than two jacoby myers hasn't even done it in the past but like i said it's just been weird that Carr hasn't gotten it done but whatever we can move on from that um yeah. josh jacobs Kenyon drake uh 13 carries for 76 yards and four receptions for 19 yards for Jacobs, 13.5 fantasy points. Kenyon Drake, only four carries, but for 30 yards, pretty productive. And six receptions for 70 yards, amounting to 16 points. Uh, Jacobs proves to be a reliable high-end RB2, averaging 14.8 fantasy points. He's been very consistent. Drake had his most receptions in a game this season. Can you trust Drake at all? I mean, I, I was talking, I was like very low on Drake earlier in the season whenever he would have like three care or three touches and have like high double or high, uh, I want to say teenage, high teen scoring. Um, but can you trust him? I mean, that's, that's a more reliable stat line. Yeah, but he's still only getting 10 touches. I mean, yeah. I. I think that's the that's the metric that you got to look at with when it comes to Kenyon Drake. We know that Josh Jacobs is the main is the lead back in this offense, and Kenyon Drake is kind of you know getting a few touches here and there. It's kind of the inverse of uh, AJ Dillon because of their usage uh, with with Aaron Jones. But yeah, I think that I think Kenyon Drake can be a risky flex at times, and I, that's kind of how I value him. That's fair. I agree with that. Uh, the pass catchers, Renfro and Waller, both had good days. Renfro, seven receptions, 49 yards and a touchdown. Waller, seven receptions for 92 yards. Uh, Renfro is averaging 7.5 targets on the season and is proving to be very reliable. And Waller led the team in targets 11, marking his first game with double-digit targets since week one. Um, so I, both of those players are very reliable and you trust them. I think Renfro is a, you know, very reliable flex option, I would say, at this point, with how he's been performing recently. Um, Real briefly, I saw that you picked up Deshaun Jackson in our league, and we've talked about him in the past. Do you think 
with this, I mean, this wide receiver room is kind of depleted right now. Do you expect Jackson to have fantasy value in this offense? Honestly, I would be surprised because, and it yeah. was kind of a speculative, speculative ad. Um, Deshaun Jackson is 34 years old, but he has always been a, a speed receiver. So yeah. those two, those two things kind of don't line up um, at this stage in his career. I, I think that uh, Derek Carr obviously puts the ball down the field. How he gets, you know, that's how he gets his yardage, but. I think that it will be that Deshaun Jackson will be a boom a bust uh, feature in the offense. I agree. Uh, that's kind of how he has been the past few seasons as he's been past his prime. Um, but this Chiefs yeah. defense is weak, ranking 26th in total yards allowed per game, 381.4, and 23rd in points against uh, per game, 24.6. So that makes you feel better about these Raiders offensive players. Uh, final game, Monday Night Football, Rams 49ers, divisional matchup. Uh, we saw in Sunday night, week nine, the Rams struggled and they lost against the Titans. Matthew Stafford uh, had his worst game of the season, but still not horrible. He was 31 for 48, 294 passing yards, a touchdown, two interceptions is not good. Um, and this 49ers defense ranks fourth in passing yards allowed. Per game at 206.5, I mean, do you still feel pretty good starting him even in this matchup? I do. Um, I, I believe in Matt, Matt Stafford in this offense. That, And, you know, Cooper Cup continues to put up numbers. He, he's a reliable pass catcher. Robert Woods has been really solid in the past few weeks. And Daryl Henderson was banged up a little bit in this game. But, I mean, he's got really good options around him. And, and Stafford's a pretty talented quarterback. So I'm not... I'm not the, the matchup doesn't really scare me that much. I agree. Uh, we move on to Daryl Henderson. 11 carries, 55 yards, 3 receptions for th- 3 yards, 8.8 fantasy points. Uh, Sony Michelle only saw 4 fewer carries at 7 and 1 fewer reception. Uh, I guess just in general, was it just a tough day for this offense? I guess more for this backfield, and are you not too worried about Henderson? Well, yeah, that was... I mean, Henderson was questionable to return at one point in the game and and yeah, that has missed, an impact obviously yeah, yeah missed some time and then you know and Sony Michelle is still a very valuable handcuff in that offense because you know the the one time that we got to see Sony Michelle fill in for Henderson it was against the Buccaneers but which is obviously a horrible matchup but uh he still did all right and I think that you know in this offense uh the 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 carries have mostly been going to Henderson, but it's not a complete, it's it's not a complete committee either. It's it's a split, but it's in favor of Henderson, and so I think that given the circumstances of their game, their their game in Week Nine, I'm not you know I'm not really uh, too concerned with the outcome of or the outlook moving forward. Rather, I agree. Um, for the pass catchers, Cooper Cup and Rob Woods, I'm so happy to see that both of them were able to have productive fantasy performances they could coexist makes me so happy as someone who has robert woods cooper cup had 11 receptions for 95 yards and robert woods had seven receptions for 98 yards and one rush for six yards um that makes me happy i think it's to me it's been so weird because obviously you expected way more out of woods and no one expected this out of cup but robert woods has been so disappointing this season as we've talked about but he's 
starting he started to become consistent i mean he's only had one game with single digit scoring which surprises me and he's the wide receiver 12 i mean uh, i guess are you back to just accepting that he's not the wide the best wide receiver in this offense but he's still reliable for fantasy and you feel pretty good about him now well sure i mean he's been scoring at 15 or more in the past three weeks and that's uh, those are good numbers from a second wide receiver option i mean this this offense has definitely benefited benefited from getting matthew stafford in the offseason and so yeah i think that they're starting to find their groove and uh, i think they're hitting their stride as an offense yeah agreed um and this 49ers defense is much easier to run against than to pass against uh but they rank they, this is strange. They rank 8th in total yards allowed per game at 338.1, but they also rank 26th in points against per game at 25.3. So they don't allow a ton of yards, but it's still pretty high-scoring game. So, um, but I expect this Rams offense to bounce back uh, from the performance against the Titans defense and just do very well, I would think. Tough divisional matchup, yeah, though. Uh, so. It should be an exciting game to watch. Yeah, good game for Monday Night Football. Move on to the last team we'll talk about, 49ers. Elijah Mitchell, eight carries for 36 yards and five receptions for 43 yards. Um, as Blake already mentioned before, Garoppolo's QB1 in the past two weeks, which is interesting. Um, and San Francisco only ran the ball 11 times in Week 9. Something that's something else that's interesting is Elijah Mitchell only had four receptions across his previous five games he played this season, but he had five in this one. Do you think this could open the door for Mitchell to become more involved in the passing game? Uh, it certainly could, but uh, previous performance would indicate that it's an outlier. Uh, I true. think that I think that it came down more to game script and the fact that they ran so few times. I think it was just a matter of like it just had to go that way that he got more receptions because they weren't I mean they had to have been throwing the ball so much more than running I mean they're 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 a run-based team traditionally yeah yeah and they were playing the Cardinals last week too and they were completely in control of the game so uh yeah definitely could have been game script uh Rams defense ranks seventh in rushing yards allowed per game 99.6 so they're tough defense for sure Uh, but we'll talk about these pass catchers Debo Samuel uh, 11.3 fantasy points, not horrible, but not the Debo we've known this season. But Brandon Ayuk, six receptions for 89 yards and a touchdown. And George Kittle in his first game back, six receptions for 101 receiving yards and a touchdown. Um, I guess going into the season, this distribution would have been the prediction. Uh, so I guess I'll ask you two questions. First one, do you think Ayuk and Kittle are back to their their value that people thought they would be at going into the season uh so with kittle you certainly feel good seeing his usage he did have a a turnover in this game a fumble lost but outside of that he looks pretty good and i mean obviously you love seeing a hundred plus receiving yards from your tight end that's great to see uh i would argue that between Ayuk and Debo Samuel, I'm not convinced on uh, that being the case, uh, that Ayuk is going to be better than Samuel moving forward. Uh, Samuel's just proven himself this season and, you know, parts of last season. And Ayuk had parts of last season too and, and has 
up until this game been pretty much worthless. I mean, we talked about dropping him last week. Yeah, I, so I, I'll add on that. I don't think Ayuk's going to pass Debo, but uh, the fact that I feel like Ayuk, uh, it's good to see this because, yeah, we were literally talking about him being droppable, and I think he's probably moved past that. I hope that this game is not an outlier just for people that have Ayuk on the fantasy team and just for him as a player, but um, do you think that Ayuk and Kittle getting more value could hurt Debo ceiling, or is he just too unique of a player to think that he's just gonna his production's gonna well, hurt too much? I think more of the concern is gonna be on the quarterback situation. Yeah. If it's if it's Jimmy Garoppolo and he's continuing to play well, then everyone will eat. But if Garoppolo goes back to what he's traditionally done, it's kind of problematic for. Uh, probably Ayuk would be the first person to suffer because yeah. that's been the that's been the case traditionally the season and then i think you know after that it might be kittle who falls off because again that's that's the precedent that's been set this season uh i i think that debo is probably the player that you're least concerned about given his performance thus far uh and that's that's kind of how i feel about that situation yeah it'll be interesting to see because this was in a tough matchup against the cardinals last week and another tough matchup against the rams this week uh who have a very strong defense, ranking 8th in points allowed per game at 21.1. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. It should be a interesting game. Um, that's all yeah, we got. Lots, lots, of, lots of good matchups this week. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Hopefully you got something good out of this. Uh, we appreciate you being here, and thank you for listening. Yes, we'll see thank you next you, time. And peace out.